This is Mike Linstead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're on episode number two of our series on humility, and as usual, I'm here with my buddy, my friend, my pastor, Mr. Chad Wiles. Chad, how you doing? What's up, Mike? Old buddy, old pal. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a couple of episodes since I uh, dropped those titles on you. I know. So a couple of things I think our audience should know is that we have got the annual Endurathon event coming Mm -hmm. up. The Endurathon event is our uh, new title for an event that we did last year called the 4x4x48. And um, if you're an endurance athlete, if you are a runner, if you are just someone who wants to raise money Mm -hmm. for a good cause and, you know, run a four-mile race – um, this is for you. Yeah. And so it's going to be March 18th through March 20th. Cause remember it's a 48 hour event mm-hmm. and we're going to be, uh, taking team signups here, uh, in the coming week. And, uh, we'll, we're, I think we're going to have like 10 teams this year. Jack. I hope so. Last year we had one. Hey, more the merrier. Yeah. But Dickie Lyons, who I know is listening to this right now, <laughs> he is doing some serious groundwork for us. Yeah. And, uh, he's very got, appreciative. Yeah. Very appreciative for him and all the guys over there at Varsity Wealth, mm-hmm. um, and Northwestern Mutual who are sponsoring the event. Um, super excited to see what the Lord does, um, through this event, you know, like besides the financial, you know, part of the whole, you know, event. Right. Um, there's going to be a lot of great relationships that are started yeah. and built. And, you know, that's what's cool about these things. You build some deep camaraderie when you run 48 miles in with, pain. In pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. A couple of other things that I do want to mention. Uh, I noticed that we have a lot of new listeners, like yeah. hundreds of new listeners. Yeah, welcome. And so welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm assuming that you're coming through a Bible study website that our podcast is being featured on. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say welcome um, please get to know our ministry in a deeper way by going to our website, mm-hmm. tnproject.org, and you'll be able to see all the things that we do here at the Nehemiah Project in Mandeville, Louisiana. And of course, uh, we would ask that you would consider becoming a financial donor of this ministry so that we can continue to take the vision forward and continue to expand. And we've got a lot of exciting things coming up as it pertains to expansion over the next couple of years. So yeah. please uh, stay in the loop. Um, join our emailing list. You can do that again by going to our website and mm-hmm. just putting your email list in the little pop-up that's going to come up Yeah, because there's a lot of things that the Lord is doing through this little ministry here mm-hmm. in Manville, Louisiana. Yeah, and it's all of our supporters that allow us to be able to sit in those rooms and show people the hope of Christ and deal with issues on all levels through the only place they can find hope, which is through the Word of God and through Christ himself. So we're very appreciative of all the support. Amen, amen. Okay, Chad, here we go. Let's get into our podcast for the day. Now, we are looking at the manifestations of humility, mm-hmm. which um, I love the quote that you said last, in last week's podcast. It, it goes like this. It's from Dr. Stuart Scott in his booklet, From Pride to Humility. He says, if pride is the epidemic vice, then humility is the endangered virtue. That is so very true, and that is true because... Uh, of sin, right? Human yeah. beings, um, to their core, are mm. sinful. Yeah. Um, and we've gone over that at length in our various podcasts. Mm. We have to go over it in almost every podcast because if we are trying to show the glory of Christ in the gospel, mm-hmm. we cannot do that faithfully or accurately mm-hmm. without mentioning sin. Right. We must mention sin. And so today we're going to talk about the endangered 
virtue, yeah, humility. And we're going to start off the podcast by looking at a man named Peter. Many people know who Peter is. Mm-hmm. Peter was the leader of the apostles um, once Christ ascended to heaven. Yeah. Peter was also the one who spoke for the apostles in the group setting. He was kind of the head of the apostles, if you if you will. And Peter was a um, he was a passionate guy. You know, he was a fisherman. Okay, so he's a little bit he can get his hands dirty. He's kind of rough. Yeah, he's rowdy. Uh, the Chosen, the TV show, portrays you know Peter and Andrew. When you first meet Peter and Andrew in the show, Peter is like fight in a fight club, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and he's like getting his you know rear end handed to him uh but he's fighting pretty good you know yeah. and andrew's like making the bets you know oh. so they are portraying them with some artistic license there that's kind of like rough and rowdy guys and yeah, so it's yeah, probably yeah. pretty close i mean i don't know if they're in a fight club but certainly these guys right. were rough and rowdy yeah the, the the context of fishermen and that trade at that time were you know you were the down and dirty right you know hard working blue collar like fish yeah you yeah, he he was he was probably pretty tough yeah. in a lot of ways too. He was tough, and it, it would certainly seem so by some of the things that we're going to mention today, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but Peter is a really, really great example that all of us can relate to in some measure of pride, mm-hmm. and he's also a great example of Christ's transformative work in the heart. Yeah. Because once Christ ascends, and in the Book of Acts, mm-hmm. after the Holy Spirit falls on the hundred twenty yeah. original disciples, yeah. Peter stands up and he begins to proclaim mm-hmm. boldly the truth of God right. rather than hide, right? Right. And so let's just start off by looking at Luke chapter 22. Mm-hmm. And um, Peter Peter in Luke chapter 22 um, really shows the heart of his pride here. And we're going to look at verse 31, 32, verse 33, and verse 34 here. And so... Here we go. Jesus says to Peter, whose name is Simon, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. (laughs) And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will will not crow this day until you have denied me three times. Wow. Mm. So Peter, in response to Christ saying that yeah. the adversary, yeah. the most beautiful, most wise, most powerful angel that exists right. who has fallen has demanded to sift Peter like wheat, which means to shake the heck out of him. Yeah. Right? Got any comments on that before I move on? Well, all I was thinking is... The pride there you see in Peter is one of self-reliance. Peter felt in his own strength, I could withstand anything. I I would never do that. Like yeah. I can I can withhold or I can withstand whatever pressures, whatever um, persecution comes. Obviously, that's going to be tested. Yes. And, but his his lack of humility to see that Jesus, who he knows to be Christ, who Peter rightly says he's the Christ, is telling him that he's not going to be able to do that. He should have taken that as... Maybe I'm not going to be strong enough to do that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And Peter did this time and time again. We're just going to look at a couple of examples. But mm-hmm. one that I just remembered while you were talking, Chad, was when Peter confesses to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And in that very same section, 
he later on, Jesus later on says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> right. 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 In that very same section, right. Peter, on the one hand, is his mouth is being used to glorify and exalt the Christ. Mm-hmm. And then literally, like, I don't know how many minutes later, <laughs> Jesus is saying, get behind me, right. Satan. Because well, right? Peter doesn't understand what Jesus is doing. And he's trying to say, no, Jesus, you can't do that. And he's like, the fact that he's saying that is is a temptation yes. from Satan from sin which Peter had. And mm-hmm. people was like, was, does that mean that Satan embodied uh, Peter in that moment? No. But if you understand Ephesians 2, that that Satan is the prince of power of the air, like the sons of disobedience, without regeneration in the Holy Spirit, that there's no uh, walking with God or being God's. You're, mm-hmm. we're, we're by default Satan's, mm-hmm. right? So Peter's sinful flesh causing him to, to doubt and even rebuke Jesus right. is... From Satan, yes, you know, in that right. way, yes, he's acting in a way that is according to Satan's will, exactly, which would be to thwart the plan of God, exactly. So another section here that I want to look at is in John thirteen, just again an example of Peter. So John thirteen is a famous portion of scripture where Jesus takes the place of a lowly slave and washes the disciples' feet, right? right. And Peter says to him, "Surely think, you know, feigning humility, right, faking humility." Peter says to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet, mm-hmm. right? No, Lord, how, how could you lower yourself to a lowly slave? Now, G- Peter's been walking with Jesus for like three years at this point, and he still doesn't get it, right? right? So he says that, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus then as- answers him and says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Yeah. And Simon Peter says to him, Lord, not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. In other words, well, then dunk me, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. I have to have a share with you. I want you. That's what I mean is Peter was very passionate. Yeah. You know, he he put his foot in his mouth a lot, Mm -hmm. but he was passionate, you know? Right. And and Jesus needed to get that under control. Yeah. Right? Okay, so the next portion of scripture that we're going to look at is John 18. And we just see, again, Peter taking matters into his own hands instead of willfully submitting himself to the sovereignty Mm -hmm. of God. And in John 18, it is, it is the famous portion of Scripture again where Judas is- Iscariot betrays Jesus with a kiss. And Judas comes out with a bunch of soldiers and, and the uh, temple high priest guards and a bunch of cops, basically, mm-hmm. right, to arrest a peaceful man, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then it says in verse 18, I'm sorry, in verse 10 of chapter 18, Peter pulled a sword out and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Again, that kind of goes back to the example Mm -hmm. that you brought up, where Peter said to Jesus, you you shouldn't do that. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. In other words, you don't even know the plan of God, Right. right? According to your own worldly knowledge, Peter, that's what you think I should do. Right. But you have no idea what the sovereign plan of God is. Right. And again, this section that I just read is another example of that. Mm -hmm. And so Peter goes on directly after that episode there to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken back in Luke 22. Uh, he would deny him. Denied him three times. And you know what happened? when On the third time that Peter denied Jesus, it says in one of the Gospels, I can't remember which one it is, but it says that Jesus was looking at him mm-hmm. when he did it the third time. Mm-hmm. And it says that Peter went out from where he was and wept bitterly. Mm-hmm. I mean, can, let, I just want to spend some time on that emotion for a second. Jesus told Peter what was going to happen. 
And we know pride, right? Pride doesn't believe the truth. It doesn't submit to the truth. It doesn't listen to the truth, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about that when we were looking at the manifestations of pride in the character of Satan, right? Right. Satan knew who God was, Mm -hmm. and yet he still thought he could make himself higher than God, despite the fact that he knew who God was. Right. So Peter, after hearing those words from Jesus, who knows what he was thinking, Mm -hmm. right? But clearly by his actions, he didn't take him to heart, right? Right. So you always say, you know, I don't care what you say you believe. I, I want to watch what you do, and that'll tell me yeah, what you what believe. what you believe is what you do. Exactly. So Peter didn't believe Jesus. Right. Straight up. And well-intentioned pride is still pride. And that's a great point to make mm. because Peter's well-intentions here were still sinful. Right. And we there's a famous cliche saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that could be a whole podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for later. We'll save that for later. <laughs> The point here is, is that Peter, like so many of us, had great intentions about how he was going to serve Jesus, mm-hmm. but he was going to do it. And Jesus, in his mercy and grace, at the end of the book of John, uh, in the 21st chapter, starting at the 15th verse, restores Simon Peter to his um, good graces or to his mm-hmm. position, right, amongst the apostles. And I'll read this whole section here. It says, Starting in verse 15 of the 21st chapter of John, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, Jesus was pointing to the fish because they were eating some fish for breakfast Mm -hmm. on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Right. He was a fisherman, right? He had gone back to fishing after Jesus had been crucified. Right. So that's what he's referring to when he says, do you love me more than these? Yeah. Then he says, feed my lambs. And Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said this to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he will remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread about that the brothers, amongst the brothers, that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but he said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So (laughs) Peter, again, being restored Mm -hmm. by the fact that Jesus said, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep and follow me. So that's his restoration there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is grace and mercy to the fullest, right? right? There's plenty of portions of Scripture that say, you know, if we deny Christ, he will also deny us before the, his Father and the right. angels, right? So, you know, there's the sovereignty of God at work there. Mm-hmm. I think in that statement, that's an absolute as well. Meaning, like, if you truly deny him, like, reject altogether, he rejects us. Yes. Whereas with Peter, he had a moment of weakness, a sinful mm-hmm. rejection. Yes. And then we see here the Which re- is 
to be contrasted with yeah. Judas in that point. Exactly. You know, Where Judas, Judas never did. Judas like, had worldly sorrow and goes and kills himself afterwards. Yeah. He was sorrowful for what he had done, but he didn't repent and come back to Christ. Right. He went back to the high priest. Which shows shows that he didn't have a he still didn't have a belief in Christ. That's very true. Where Peter had a belief in Christ and was restored by Christ, which is what happens with us when we when we deny because we deny God all the time in our sin. Yeah. And then we have a great high priest who understands that, Hebrews 4, and tells us to come before him, right? Boldly before yes. the throne, and, and he gives us help in time of need. Praise God for his endless mercy. And allows us to confess our sin and forgive us of our sin, as First John 1, 9 says. So um, so we all, we all deny Christ all the time, and we can't remain perfect. Mm-hmm. It's his holiness and his character and the spirit within us that holds us and keeps us and transforms us. Mm-hmm. The the thing about humility, where it begins, is understanding that it's all God, mm-hmm. all of it, from drawing you to Himself, to opening your eyes to the truth, to saving you, to regenerating you, to putting His Spirit inside of you, to keeping you, to growing you. Mm-hmm. It's all God, mm-hmm. and the crux of humility, or the belief, or the right definition is, it's all God, not me. Yes. So the life of a Christian is dying to self mm-hmm. the more we die to ourself the more his character grows in us and the more we mature and look like his son jesus can i add one thing to that please just to clarify because when i was a younger christian right mm-hmm. and i'm still a young christian but when i was a younger christian i would hear things like that and it just i, I couldn't comprehend mm-hmm. because that is that is the truth what you just said that mm-hmm. is truth however we have to work that truth out, sure. right? Like it says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear mm-hmm. and trembling, for it is God who both wills and works in you. Right. And so that's the that is the paradox there. It's right. all God, and yet I have to make decisions, right? right. And so what what I think a succinct way of putting everything you just said into mm-hmm. like one small sentence is when we die to ourselves, it means that we give up the right to ourself. Right. I.e. Our decisions are governed by the word of God. Right. Period. And we resolve to submit to them regardless of circumstance or feeling. Amen. Right. Amen. And in that too, the the work of our salvation is more assumed than earned, meaning it's a result of your mm-hmm. belief and faith. Right. That's like very good. If you understand the reality of the gospel and believe it truly, then the outflow of that is a desire to submit obey and and do what god has told you even when you can't do it perfectly yes and where james 2 shows that show me your faith by your works Mm -hmm. that isn't saying that your works earn your faith right it's saying that your faith should display in your life a working out of that faith a a doing of what god says if you say you love him then you do what he says and that's what he says to peter going back to that do you love me? Yes. Then what? Feed my sheep. Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Then do this. Yes. You know, it's not do this to show me that you love me. Mm-hmm. It's do you love me? If so, then do. Yes. Right? Yes. So to remind us of our working definition of humility that comes from many different passages, Dr. Scott has laid this out for us, and I, I like his definition a lot. He says, humility is the mindset of Christ, a servant's mindset a focus on God and others, a pursuit of the recognition and the exaltation of God, 
and a desire to glorify and please God in all things and by all things he has given. Mm. Right? Once again, it's all about God. Yes. So we're going to pick back up. We are working through the manifestations of humility. Uh, last week we went through the first five. So today we'll pick up at uh, number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, our scripture for this one is going to be First Thessalonians 5.18. And it's this. Someone who is humble is someone who is thankful and grateful in general toward others. Humble people thank God and others often. They expect nothing, so anything that is received is greatly appreciated. You want to read First yeah. Thessalonians for us? Yeah, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right. So a marker of humility, a, a fruit or result of a true humility in the Lord is someone who is thankful and grateful. And that's really, really powerful. Yeah. That's extremely powerful. Like, yeah. People hear that, oh, I should be grateful. Okay, cool. Should I just feel good about things all the time? Right. No, 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 no. Right. For the Christian, it's much deeper than that. It's right. much deeper than that. It's much like God's love, which is the ascent of the will, the agape love. Well, gratefulness and thankfulness is the same. It's acknowledging. It's it's a thinking man's religion, right? It's in right. your belief, acknowledging and understanding what you've been giving and choosing to be thankful and grateful. And let me connect it back just to in the same book. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Yeah. So later on, Paul's saying, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's right. Because even in bad situations, mm-hmm. in hard, in, in hard situations, in suffering, um, this is the will of God for you. Right. And when we are going through those particular types of situations, which we've all gone through, mm-hmm. and it's always easier talking about it when you're not going through them, right? Yeah. We are being conformed to the image of Christ in those situations. Right. As difficult and as intense as they are. And and believe me, I'm not making light of evil. Like the some of these things that are that happen to us are inexplicably evil. You know? Oh, yeah. However, God is able, God is able to take what others mean for evil against you mm-hmm. and turn it into good. We know that all things work together for good. For those who have been called according to God's purpose and for those who love him. Yeah. And it's interesting in Philippians 4, Paul speaks of this same idea. Because when he says when you're anxious, you know, first we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. Mm-hmm. But then he says, but, but do not be anxious, but in anything or about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, mm-hmm. let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. It's actually acknowledging and being thankful to the Lord in all things is what strengthens and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ, even when circumstances are hard mm-hmm. and difficult. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if we have a small view of God and a, and a wrong understanding of God, then our circumstances dictate our beliefs, not God. Yes, yes. So we got to be very careful. And you become enslaved to that. That's right. Number seven, uh, the passage here that we'll be getting this from is Colossians three twelve through 14. And this manifestation is being gentle and patient. So humble people want to act like God. Or sorry, humble people want to act like God and they are not focused on what they want. They also want to love others the way God loves them. They are willing to wait and are not, are not easily irritated. 
So how many people want to act like God in his patience? Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. Mm. So you must also forgive. And above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right. So we want to display the patience of God and being gentle as God is gentle with us. Number eight, manifestation. is uh, This one will come from Romans twelve sixteen. Seeing yourself as no better than others. A humble person sees himself as no or herself as no better than others. Mm. A humble person understands that the sinfulness of his own heart he would never see himself as better than others. This is true no matter who the person is. He or she understands that in in and of, in and of themselves, they're not capable they are capable of the worst sin. They agree with John Bradford who said, But for the grace of God there I go. Romans twelve verse sixteen says, Live in harmony with one another, and do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Or another translation says, or give yourselves to humble tasks. Mm-hmm. Never be wise in your own sight. Chad, I want to just mm-hmm. mention one thing about this because there's a tendency for people to kind of just read through this stuff and just kind of, oh, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, let's just, I, I just want to bring up one thing that happened in America's history that where we, we see an extreme example mm-hmm. of this. And early in the 20s, there was a movement called the eugenics movement. Okay. You've heard of that? I, I've i heard of it. I, don't, I can't say I know what it is. Okay, and it's still going on today. But the eugenics movement basically was selective breeding amongst humans to oh, okay. basically, you know, survival of the fittest, right? Mm-hmm. Darwinism was really getting big, you know, yeah, Hitler, around there. Hitler was into this too. Well, sure, yeah, but it, it actually gained a lot of traction in America before it mm-hmm. did in, in Germany. Now, Germany, obviously, they thought the Aryan race was it, and you can, yeah, you can study yeah. world history if you want to know that. But like the Rockefellers, the titans of industry, right? They were really big on this eugenics movement because they thought that a particular type of person, you know, class, race, uh, mental capacity, physical strength, physical attributes could be bred. And that was a type of human that Mm. was to be prized amongst all other humans, you know, like show horses or something like that. Okay. (laughs) Animals are not human beings. (laughs) Right. They're not. Right. Animals were not created in the image of God. Fair. All human beings were created in the hum- in the image of God, whether mm. they have Down syndrome or not. It doesn't matter what thing they may have been born with, yeah. whether they were born with no arms <clears throat> or with all their arms. They're all created in the image of God. Yeah. Okay. And they all have inherent dignity and value. Mm-hmm. So this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't don't just say like, well, of course, you know, I'm not going to think I'm like better than somebody else. There are people out there who think that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it ends it, in in its extreme forms. It ends in mass genocide. Yeah, yeah. It's a very big deal. Yeah, in the small ways, it it looks like gossiping and and slandering one another or whatever, uh, in different ways, or you know, shunning someone in the schoolyard. You know, some kids yeah. not cool and people making fun of them too. To the it, to the nth degree of yeah. things like that, genocide right. and other things. So yeah, the 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 heart of man is prideful beyond <laughs> measure, and it, and it can its wickedness knows no bounds. Yeah, well, we got time for two more today. Number nine, we find this one in Romans twelve three. A humble person has an accurate view 
of their gifts and abilities, an accurate view of your gifts and abilities. Humble people do not bemoan the fact that they are not as gifted as others. Neither do they exaggerate their own abilities. Mm. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each Mm. according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This is actually a really amazing portion of scripture too, Mm -hmm. because the context here is talking about the body of Christ and the service of each member to one another within the body. And I was actually talking to a young guy about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he w- he came over here to the Nehemiah Project just yeah. wanted to ask me some questions because he was, you know, going through college. He's about to be done. He doesn't know what to do with his life. And so yeah. I said, one of the things I said was, according to this passage of scripture, you know, you look at yourself, you take inventory of yourself. Mm-hmm. You you can see that there's clearly natural abilities that God has given you yeah. just through your genes, you know, your genetic you know, pool that you came from and, yeah. and the the environment that you grew up in and all those kinds of things. Uh-huh. Okay. Those are inadequate to build the church. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't mean that God's not going to use them. Mm-hmm. Right. But God has to supernaturally endow you mm-hmm. just like it says here, just uh, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to each one. They have to, he has to supernaturally endow you through the indwelling of the Holy spirit mm-hmm. with a particular set of gifts to help the body. Yeah. Now, the gifts that Paul mentions here, he says, having grace or having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, which prophecy is the declaration of the word of God. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. And he goes on down the list, right? These are supernaturally endowed gifts. Yeah. And that's important to, to bring up because... The prideful person mm-hmm. would look at their natural talents and think, I'm this, I'm that, therefore I should be this or that in the church. Mm-hmm. The the humble person will go, I am nothing without <laughs> Christ, without God. Right. And if other people tell me that they see a particular gifting in me, right, or if I, through the study of scripture, come to realize that God has supernaturally endowed me with these particular gifts... Praise be to God. Right. right. <laughs> you see, there's a difference there. Exactly. Yeah. And we see this a lot with, we're all tempted in that way. Yeah. To look at someone else and, I mean, I wish I could do that or I wish I was this person. And usually the reason why you're wishing that is for your own uh, glorification, mm-hmm. right? But when you have the perspective that it's all God, then if he's gifted you to be a servant in the body of Christ in terms of, fixing doors and sweeping floors or if he's called you to be the one who preaches the text all of it's from god and all of it's for god and the body has to work together Mm -hmm. and so everyone is equally as valuable in the kingdom of god right because it's all about god amen right last but not least today this one's in philippians 2 3 through 4 this one's being a good listener a humble person is a good listener Humble people consider what others have to say as more important than what they have to say. They take an interest in others by asking questions and listening. Self is not their primary focus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Mm-hmm. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Yeah. 
And I think that's a really great indication. When you spend time with people, is your heart to glorify God through how you love them? Do you care about them? Do you do you want to know what's going on in their life? Do you want to pray for them? Do you want to care for them? If the majority of your life's spent walking around in life thinking of yourself and that you're the point of your own story, then that's a good indication that pride is an issue and, and God may not be the one on the throne of your heart. Mm. Well, sombering words. We want to mm. encourage you here uh, <laughs> to seek the Lord through the text of Scripture. You know, we're going to be confronted with the truth, right? Yeah. Um, the truth does not compromise. It does not budge. It is not up for you to decide whether or not it is true. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, just as God yeah. is who he is. Yeah. And so we would encourage you out there listening to pick up a Bible, to start reading it, to start asking God to give you understanding. Yeah. If you don't know Christ, I, I would challenge you, put aside your preconceived notions of who God is who you think God is, open the Bible and see who he reveals himself to be. Mm -hmm. We thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.